0: Would you do me a favor? I have had some amazing news. My book, Past Lives with Pets, was nominated for a Visionary Award for 2020. Thank you so much to everyone who supported this book and who supports my work over the years. I am so very grateful, and I need your help. Would you vote for my book? You can do this by going over to my website, at pastlifelady.com. Click on the blog link and it'll take you to a short article I wrote and the link is there. The votes will be counted up until April 30th. And just know I am so very grateful for your support and friendship over the years. I've got tons of new books coming out um, over these next few years that I hope you will love as well. Just remember when you do this survey, it's going to take a little while There's many, many categories, and you won't see past lives with pets until you get pretty far down the survey. You do need to answer every section of the survey in order for it to count. And just know that I'm grateful for the few minutes of your time, and just know it means the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. Welcome, dear one, to another episode of Healing Arts. So we're in the middle of my season six, which is about fiction and unusual content creators. And my guest, Dina Miriam, is absolutely incredible. She is a peace warrior. And she's written the most beautiful book that is actually an account, a channeled account of her past lives in ancient India which is richly um, narrated. It's incredible. And yet it reads like a fiction novel. And so I wanted to include her in this season of unusual creators. I am so compelled by this book. I told her, I I don't want to spoil the whole surprise here, but I just couldn't finish the book. I, I usually try to hurry and speed read when I'm interviewing guests. I could not do that because this book is just simply too good to put down. So let's check out my interview with Dina Miriam hi friends and welcome to another episode of healing arts so i have the phenomenal dina miriam with me today let me read you her bio so dina miriam is an author storyteller and she's the founder of the global peace initiative of women which you can reach at gpiw.org and what they do is they bring spiritual resources to address critical global crises. She's also served as the vice chair of the Millennium World Peace Summit of religious and spiritual leaders. For over 40 years, Dina has been a devotee of, oh, I love him too, Parmahansa Yogananda. She's a practitioner of Kriya Yoga, and she was an advisor to the Dharma Drum Mountain Buddhist Association. In 2014, she received the Nwano Peace Prize for her interfaith peace efforts. Basically, she is a spiritual warrior and she has got the most beautiful book, her new book that I have, I am still reading, I can't put it down. It's called, When the Bright Moon Rises, The Awakening of Ancient Memories. So this book is describing her past lives in vedic india around the ninth century bce so friends okay this is the most beautiful story it's a story of unrequited love and of curses and vows and it's so beautiful I knew that, uh, Dina, I knew you were going to be on the show. I was like, oh, I want to get to the end. I want to know how this is going to end. And I was tempted to look. I can't because I'm in the story. I don't want it to end. It is so beautiful. This tale is about this Dina's past lives, but it's written in this rich language, this beautiful detailed story with all the history of ancient India. And as this one love affair ends, as the soul comes to a conclusion, apparently in the part I haven't reached yet, This is this love affair is going to continue in a past life and in second life in China. Dina, this is phenomenal. How did you decide to present this material about your own past lives in such an amazing way?
1: Well, I have a long history with this process of recalling my past. A few years ago, I decided about five years ago, I decided to, I had 20, 30 years, I've had... um, many recollections of past births, but they've always been recent. The the birth before this, the birth before that, you know, just going back in time a few hundred years, not so far in the past. I wrote about that in my first book, which is called My Journey Through Time. And the interesting thing for me is to understand this law of cause and effect. Everything that we experience in our life is a result of a past cause. Nothing is arbitrary. Nothing is just by accident. Everything has an earlier cause. So all our relationships, our work, our preferences, our loves, our hates, they all come from a previous time. And so if you can understand this, you can get better control of your life and you can shape your future. So this was my premise always. But I was not, I took a trip to India. I take many trips to India, but I was there, um, it was last year or two years ago uh, when I, I was visiting an ancient temple and I was, at dawn, I described this at the beginning of the book. And suddenly I was back in time and I was so far back in time. Maybe I'm a student of Vedic India. I've read a lot of the texts. I've I've been very eager to understand um, the, the whole passage of time because according to the Eastern mindset, time is not linear, it's cyclical. So there was a higher age. We don't know what life was like in that higher age. It doesn't mean that we had more developed cities It may have meant that we understood the spiritual principles of the universe better and lived in harmony. So if we lived a forest life, we were in harmony with all the forces of nature. We weren't weren't disrupting the patterns of life. Um, So I I, and then I came back home and I began um, most of these things I see happen during my meditation. I I began to relive this life of this young girl Sundari um, when civilizations um, were just cities were just being set up settlements along the rivers, and and so I very much got into that time frame and the story unfolded for me.
0: It was just, amazing. and it
1: stopped there in India, part one of the book, and then I was on an, another trip in Bangkok some months later and I saw part two of the book, where the story continues thousands of years later in China, and. The whole thing was such a spiritual journey for me because i had never felt connected to the to the culture of china but suddenly i found myself steeped in taoist teachings which i had no exposure to before you know i i my whole uh experiences with the yoga tradition and suddenly here i am becoming a taoist again
0: and that's the second part of the book which you'll you'll see (laughs) i wanted to get there i'm not there yet Um, You know what I loved about the part I've gotten to so far? You talk about um, the Ganga in Varanasi, the Holy Ganga River. I went there in this lifetime. And when I got there, I'd never thought about it either. It was just divine fate. I happened to be speaking at a conference. I wound up over there. And when I saw the river, I just started bawling like a baby. I was like, oh, thank God I'm home. And you know what I'm talking about. And this, your book, you talk about, you can, all the conceptualization that goes on as westerners attempt to study the vedas and everything you put it in this story of your past lives so well that you can see how they're applying these principles in their life and you describe the ganga and i just went oh
1: (laughs) wonderful (laughs) the rivers they were you know because it was a river culture they were in very close connection with the river and um I mean, you'll see, it comes back to that in the second part of the book where where she tries to understand more deeply, who is the Saraswati? Is Saraswati a river or is she a goddess? Who is the Saraswati? And with the, with the, what the 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 ancient teachers tried to, to, to show is that everything in the outer world is symbolic of the inner world. And so there's a connection between the inner and the outer. And so she's both the river and she's this divine creative force that we all have within us, a Devi. We all have the Devi within us. And so, um, I mean, in writing this book, I was receiving teachings. It was much of a teaching for me because I was just astounded to what, you know, I, I had not thought about some of these issues before, <laughs> you know, yes. the relationship between the river and the deity within us. But it was a creative source of life for these early cultures. You know, the river was, was everything. That's why so many of the yes. ancient civilizations were along the rivers.
0: Absolutely, because they needed it for life. It, was, it
1: sustained the life,
0: yeah. And then yeah. in this, even in these modern times, it's my understanding that, you know, a lot of people want to go to the river upon death because it's a cleansing there as well to prepare for the afterlife. Is that how
1: well, you understand
0: that? Or, cause you're, you're much more experienced, obviously, than I am, but. You
1: no, know, going back into the river, it's, you're putting your the ashes there. It's like returning them to the source, into the, into source. you know, the, because the, the the rivers have a have a pattern. they flood the plains which in which enrich the soil. so by putting your ashes back into it, it's the same concept of putting yourself into the earth, you're kind of fertilizing it, sort of yeah. re- recycling, renewing it. Um, and then it's the whole process of renewal of, of, of um, rejuvenation uh, which of the body, which is symbolic you know of your own passing passing from one chapter of your life, one birth to the next but I've come to see our births as just d- different chapters in a long journey you yeah. know it's it's like you have your childhood I mean childhood in a way seems like another life when you think yeah. of who you were as a teenager yes. if you ever kind of re-meet like a your teenage love and you say to yourself what was I thinking <laughs> who was I then <laughs> yes I'm attracted to this man now what was I thinking right And so even within this one life that we have, we get to experience many different uh, articulations of ourselves, so to speak. We do. Uh, And so rebirth is the same thing. It's just, you come back in a different form a different set of circumstances to try to grow, you know, uh, to, to, to develop better understanding of the
0: purpose, of our purpose here. So how do you define karma for people if they just never really even thought about this idea?
1: Well, I mean, all traditions hold some concept of karma, which is an eye for an eye, you know, it doesn't literally mean an eye for an eye. What it means is what you put out comes back to you as you sow, you will reap. That's really karma, as you sow, you will reap. But in in a scientific way, um, thought and, and vibration words, they're forms of energy. And the universe is continually seeking to rebalance itself, both in physics, and uh, there's laws of physics and there's spiritual laws. So if you if you emit some kind of harmful act or word speech, then in some way you're going to uh, have to experience that. And and it it's just the universe's way of rebalancing itself. Now there's a lot of flexibility within this framework, so it doesn't have to be an exact replica of what of what you did. Or, or, but it could, but in some form. Of, in other words, the whole process is for the sake of learning. And if you don't reap some results from your actions, how are you going to ever learn? You just keep doing it again and again. And often exactly. we do repeat our mistakes. Karma is also patterns of thinking, so it's not just an act. You know, we tend to think of you hurt somebody, you kill somebody, you do something, but it's also patterns of behavior. So if you if you're accustomed to um, uh, uh, having an you know being being um, resentful or angry, that may show up again until you can sort of uh, outgrow those patterns that pattern of behavior so it's it's so many different aspects of our personality which are you know it's like um if you develop a habit when you're young it's hard to break it when you get older if you're in the habit of drinking coffee there are grooves in your brain that says i want coffee the synapses say i want coffee it's the same thing with patterns of behavior you're used to doing things in a certain way used to reacting and to change that takes effort, which is the whole point of spiritual practice, right. is to, is to re, 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 uh, wire ourselves, so to speak, in a way that we want to be wired. You know, we want to be more compassionate. We want to be more generous. That takes effort to change a pattern that we may have had with us through numerous lifetimes and say, you know, I want to become a more generous, more compassionate person, a more giving person, whatever, whatever it is.
0: Do you find in the years that you've been teaching and writing about these Eastern traditions, do you think that the Westerners are starting to become more open to karma and the idea of reincarnation than they used to be?
1: I think karma has become part of our our, our modern parlance. We talk about karma, even in the business world. Yes, (laughs) we we do. (laughs) So so I I don't think that many of us really, it's such a complex system. I mean, right, the more I've written about it and the more I see, because all of my books have to do with karma in some way. Um, and, and you can only understand it. Karma only makes sense if you look at a series of lives. If you just look at one life, how can you explain why a child is sick? You know, you just, you, you can't explain certain things. You and can't. that's where the great sorrow comes in. But if you can see everything, and if you can see the past births, then you can understand and, and put it It doesn't mean that you don't um have compassion but you're not it it, it makes sense you, you, it, yes. it's, it's not just like an arbitrary universe where things happen out of the blue so i think that that karma is is under, is accepted now more but i think that we have to uh work a little harder to understand it i'm also surprised how, how widely accepted the understanding of rebirth is because in, in the mystical traditions of all the religions, it was there.
0: Yes, absolutely. You
1: know, even Jesus in the, says something about Elias being reborn as, as uh, uh, um, or was it Elijah being reborn as um, John the Baptist? Yes. So I think in all the traditions, it's there in the mystical traditions, um, but it's been, it's been suppressed because it benefits the religious authorities for them to tell you, you just got this one life. And if you're good, you're gonna be rewarded eternally. And if you're bad, you're gonna be condemned. I mean, that's a, that benefits right. the institutions. It creates the fear, right? but, um, but it's, it's a complete manipulation. Fear has no place in the spiritual universe.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know, the foundation of the universe is love, not fear. And uh, in, a, in a less enlightened time, People could only control others through fear.
0: Absolutely. I've thought thought of these things because I've been doing past life work for many years as well. The the idea that when we see injustices in the world that we don't understand, like you said, we have compassion, we want to help. And yet some of these things are so unexplainable. The idea that we have lived before and of rebirth has brought me personally so much comfort, you know? But I've been like you kind of out here, always believing in this, in kind of a Western world where we're hopefully getting more and more open to these kinds of ideas, which we are, you know, obviously. I think,
1: I'm, I think if you look back over 20 years, oh yes. it's much easier to talk about this now than it was 20 years. 20 years ago, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation no. in a public forum.
0: <laughs> no, definitely not on a public uh, internet thing where everybody can see it. And I sure. think
1: the whole uh, meditation movement and yoga movement and mindfulness movement has, has opened people uh, internally. So they're, they're um And I think, I think, I think more people experience memories, even if they're vague memories, like, like you did about the Ganga, that's a memory. It may yes. not be a concrete memory, but that's a memory. You clearly had an affinity with that river in the past.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and I mean, the, the interesting thing for me in writing this book, When the Bright Moon Rises, is that it completely changed my view of China. I, I did not have a positive view of China beforehand. Um, and then I found myself as a Chinese person, deeply in, 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 in embedded in the Taoist world, and in love with this poet who happens to be a very famous poet in China. I mean, school children i couldn't believe it myself school children recite his poetry today yes and and i and poetry has always been a part of my life since i was a young girl eight or nine years old i've been writing poetry but it's been a secondary interest you know um and and i and i thought well it's obviously something from the past but but so long ago in the past i mean this this was was um a real awakening experience for me in that Time just lost its meaning. To go back thousands of years, somebody would say, "Well, how can you remember that?" Time is an illusion. Yes, it's an illusion. I mean, yes. we've existed for millions of years, in one form or another.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And,
1: and memories are—we we retain our memories. That's the thing. The conscious mind can't retain everything; or it would be difficult to function. You know, you have to tend to what this life has presented you with, but in our subconscious, all those memories are there. And we, I mean, then when people go into past life regression, they're just tapping the subconscious memories.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, uh, so, so to think of ourselves as, as ageless beings is a complete shift. <laughs> you
0: know? Absolutely, yes. Um, I have, I've done some research on the spontaneous past life recollections that people do have, because I think you're right. I think we're being bombarded by influences every day of our lives, whether we're really consciously aware of it or not. Like even when you're a girl, don't you think that the soul is trying to remember itself and is drawn to the things that it's loved in the past? That's my experience.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, and I think, I mean, if, if you're a mother, I've have, I had two sons, I have two sons when they were younger. When they were very young, I so clearly saw imprints that they—you can see a child um, so clearly saw imprints from their past where they had just come from. Um, oh, wow. One of my sons, one of my sons, um, had a love for India when he was young, and he—he—he couldn't—he couldn't master languages except when he learned started studied Hindi as a teenager. He picked it up like that. Couldn't learn German. Couldn't learn French, but he picked up Hindi right away and he loved to play the tablas. And um, and I knew that he had been a Gandhian because at one point he wanted to make, he started making his own clothes. I mean, really became a Gandhian in his thinking. All this happened within a space of a few years and then he snapped out of it and went into his current, current focus of what his current life is gonna be. That yeah. happens with every child. If you look at the life of a child, they come in with clear uh, tendencies and preferences, things they say. Um, and, and my, 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 he, I have a grandson now and he when he was three or four was talking about how he died in Tibet during the invasion. And he knew all the military maneuvers and he was fixated on that time in Tibet's history when, when, it, uh, when it lost its independence. And so, you know, and then children move on and they, they don't even remember later on. Oh, did I say that? Did I really, you know, they don't remember.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think the the brain is just still developing when they're first born. And then it's, I think, well, society, we can say closes them off, but as it's closed off, then they just go off and do what they're supposed to do.
1: Well, they're forced to, to uh, train themselves to live in our, in our current society. So, you know, they have to fall into the pattern of taking tests and, and studying what society wants them to
0: study, falling into they have to go, fit into a box, right? Fortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they get to be an adult, they try to get out of the box that they were put into, hopefully. In the first 20 years getting into a box
1: and then they stay in the box and they spend the next 20 years trying to get out of the box.
0: <laughs> That's right. There it is. There's the life cycle for you. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So tell us about your... Um, women's peace initiatives and in your organization, because I know some of the profits of this book are going to be going to a wonderful cause.
1: You know, I started this work um, and it was nothing that I, I, I consciously planned, but 20 years ago when I was asked to organize a big summit of religious leaders at the UN, um, I noticed that there were very few women senior leaders. And so the women were, um, uh, there were few who were there were unhappy and there were very few women in the interfaith world. I, I never had expected to get into this, uh, but the women said, you know, we need our own summit of, of women spiritual teachers. And so Kofi Annan was secretary general. We went back to him and he said, good ideas. So and we had a second, and it was much more successful, this, this summit of women spiritual teachers. And so they wanted a platform to do peace work, to do environmental work, and so created this nonprofit um, and basically we organize dialogues around the world. We've sort of shifted our focus from peace work to climate change and environmental work. Uh, right. And we work a lot with young people, young people who are active on a social cause and also have a spiritual practice. I think the most important thing to give to young people today is that whatever you wanna do, you can be much more successful if you have grounded it in spiritual practice. Uh, otherwise you can get burned out. I mean, there's so many challenges today. Yes. That will be overwhelming. You know, you can get discouraged and just get overwhelmed by it all. Um, and so giving it, giving young people spiritual practice helps them keep their perspective. And so that's the work that we do. We organize, you know, now we do mostly online dialogues because we can't meet in person, Yeah, but we work all over the world.
0: I think it's phenomenal. So, how can these readers and viewers reach you? What's your best website, and how can we get that? Everyone, we're going to have a copy of this, a link to the book. You have to pick this up. So, tell us your website, though, where we can reach So, you. the website
1: is GPIW Global Peace Initiative of Women dot org. Okay. and we also have Facebook and uh, um, and I have a, a Facebook public page, Dina Miriam public page, where I do some book readings. I'm gonna be doing a book reading um, this, later this month and I'm gonna start doing book readings from When the Bright Moon Rises uh, in May. <laughs> um, and, and then having a discussion a discussion on this, the theme of, of karma, because I think that um, everybody could benefit from doing a deep study of karma yeah. uh, in terms of shaping your future. If our past has determined our present life, then we are now creating our blueprint for the future. So how can we how can we do that more consciously? I mean, one's one's the early part of one's life, you're kind of fulfilling the dictates of the past. But in the latter part of life, you're creating your future. You're you're setting the groundwork um, for who you're going to be in the future. And so it benefits us to do that more consciously. Who do you want to be? How do you want to contribute? You know um, what 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 where do you want to put your energy? I mean, there's so much that we, that is within our control. Um, most people drift through life, not realizing that they have control, they have more control than they think. Right. We can't change the dictates from the past, but you can change how you respond to them. You can change your attitude. You can make it a learning rather than um, uh, a, a, a cause of suffering. Um, and even the you know, even the happy things in our life, know that they're they're a result of something that's happened in the past that we should be grateful
0: for. Oh, yes, absolutely. I did the, you're probably familiar with this, I did the Vipassana course. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Changed my life. <laughs> I mean, you know, the idea that sometimes we need to get in touch with, you know, maybe not floating in a cloud or running, kicking and screaming down the street, but just accepting things as they actually are and then Creating peace from that place. I mean, it just really t- changed my life. I loved it.
1: And and, and to yeah, mindfulness is, I think that's one of the the um, the the real reasons for the why so many people are uh, pursuing spiritual practice today compared with to twenty years ago, and understanding some of these spiritual principles, because it turns you inward and you you become much more um, uh, observant of things in your life. And everybody has a lot to be grateful for. We all have a lot to be grateful for. Oh, yes. And ha- I mean, we take these things for granted. <laughs> yes.
0: I think this last year has been really powerful in that way. There's been a lot of challenges, but in that it does make you realize how grateful we should be for the very littlest and simplest things. And just to get all of the fluffery, put that aside and get back in touch with what is really important in our lives.
1: You know, most things have a positive and negative side to them, right? It right. depends upon which view, whether you're seeing the glass half empty or half full. Um, and, and I know COVID has caused a lot of suffering for people, loss of jobs and death, uh, but it's also brought a lot of benefit to people, um, yeah. for people who who are, are really trying to use the time to gain some insight and wisdom. Um, and being being kind of forced to stay at home something that we couldn't voluntarily do say i'm not leaving my house for a year i mean who would have who could do that right but when you're told stay home it's like okay i have to listen i have to stay home you know more time for spiritual practice more time for reading Absolutely. more time for reflection um everybody i know who's who's got a spiritual practice has been talking about the blessings
0: Yes because I go oh I thought to myself thank you lord that I've I've done transcendental meditation I was a follower of that for 20 years I did vipassana I just thank god every day that I've had those opportunities because when you're younger you know like you don't have the life experience and if you something happens you just think it's so horrible you know but when you live for a while you know okay there's ups and downs we're going to make it through this is okay and that spiritual practice like you said it's so important it's what a great gift to give to the young people, because that's the thing that, like you said, it's gonna carry them through everything. Cause you know that eventually all things are changing. This can't stay. And that there's some good in all things even if they seem horrible.
1: I think also we're, we're at a time of shift in our society which creates a lot of uncertainty. And I mean, people don't know I think it's gonna go back to normal. Well, they're not gonna go back to the way it was before. There's gonna be a new normal, right? Uh, People are going to be working from home more. People are going to be, um, the the whole way people interact will be changed. I mean, Zoom is with us now. Uh, People don't have to travel as much. We can communicate and stay connected. And so I think that um, in a time of shift, there's this personal benefits that spiritual practice brings, and then there's the collective benefit. So I've often thought, you know, how do we really help our country move forward into a better place? Yes, and I think the more of us who are doing spiritual practice the more we're bu- building the energy the spiritual energy field of the country
0: yeah the Shakti,
1: uh, the shakti of the country um, the, the more we're going to be able to be of service and helping bring this bring this country into a more enlightened state of awareness
0: <laughs> Yes yes I think you're right you And know, I think that you know a lot of people they had never, I've been working at home for years. So, and, you know, then of course, meditation practice. And you are a meditator, but people who haven't had that experience, they've been forced to stay home. And this has been really eye-opening. And I think that more people are turning to spirituality than ever before because of that. They've been kind of forced to do it. Okay. But once that door's open, then I think it's creating a good permanent change of that inner stability and just looking within that's going to really benefit us in the future.
1: One of the benefits of looking far back in time, Mm -hmm. which I've been able to do with this book, is to really look, you know, according to the Eastern mindset, there was a higher age, right? Mm -hmm. And the yugas go through these yugas, which um, the yugas are determined by um, our solar system's movement through the galaxy. As we move through the galaxy, going through the zodiac of the galaxy, we come into into areas of the galaxy where there, there are heightened electromagnetic fields which affect brain uh, circuits, brain function, that's a scientific fact that electromagnetic fields face, affect the brain. And those are times when, when there's more um, spiritually enlightened awareness on the planet. And then when we move into areas where there's less of those uh, electromagnetic waves, there's, there's a denser, more materialistic consciousness So we've just moved out of what they call the Kali Yuga, which is the densest part of that. And so what was that higher state of awareness like? Well, a big part of it was um, the love that people felt with all of the natural world. You know, the the integration with the natural environment, we've come so far from that, we've practically destroyed the planet. And so, uh, you know, it's like, and, and COVID is another reminder of what we're doing when we're destroying habitats, right? So what, what I hope this growing meditation movement can achieve is to bring us back into a more harmonious relationship with the earth.
0: You know, it's such an important point because you um... We knew immediately when everybody stopped going to work, you looked outside, there was no more pollution. Hello. The animals came back. <laughs> yes. And then you see people out. Actually, what? They were going outside taking a walk because the gym is closed or whatever and they had to get away from those little electronics. I think that's that's a shift and those are changes that hopefully will stay because people are so much happier getting real, you know, vitamin D and sunshine. I mean, it's amazing.
1: I mean, if we if we if we continue to destroy these habitats then it's we're destroying ourselves and so exactly. and people don't want that so how do we shift the whole social tenor so that becomes a priority restoring our planet becomes a priority restoring our forests restoring our rivers i mean to think if you've ever seen a really clean river i i did only f- a few times
0: <laughs> when i went high
1: into Himalayas and when i went to bhutan bhutan has clean rivers still oh wow it's a different experience than than looking at our rivers today you know right so um so so there's a lot of work for us to do and i think that a spiritual awakening is the key to that to the shift
0: absolutely that we absolutely. have to undergo and we will do it joyfully we will do it hopefully <laughs> we will do it and hopefully it'll be joyful so for most of us so Speaking of joys, Dina, you are a joy, and I love your book. I love what you're doing, and it has been a complete joy and honor to have you on the show. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you. I love talking to you. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay. Friends, please check out Dina's book. I'm going to give you the link, and check out her organization. Very important work, and I will see you next time on Healing Arts. We'll be right back. Hey, my friend. Have you known your pet in a past life? Well, believe it or not, a lot of people have. You can check out case histories and find out more about your connections to your little fuzzballs in my book, Past Lives with Pets. Check it out and find out today. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Thank you again for tuning in to Healing Arts. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with the fabulous Dina Miriam. I am really fascinated by her work because I have a couple of really weird stories that I've been thinking about writing for about 20 years that are kind of along the lines of what she's done with this book. So I found it fascinating. Um, and like I said, the writing quality here um, cannot be understated. She's amazing. So we've got a lot of amazing guests coming up on this show. Um, We'll have the famous channel and medium, Suzanne Giesemann, coming up on the program. And there's a lot of other new surprises as we begin season seven. Hello. That is scary. We're going to continue with season six as I have new fiction writers. But season seven officially begins very, very soon. And you're going to want to tune in. And just know that I really appreciate your support of this program. It's been a complete blessing, a complete godsend to me this year to have you by my side as we navigate this strange world that we're living in. So I'm sending you lots of prayers, lots of love. Please take care of yourself this week. Enjoy yourself. And if you want to escape into a beautiful book, check out Dina's book. It's wonderful. Take care, dear one. Namaste. Would you do me a favor? I have had some amazing news. My book, Past Lives with Pets, was nominated for a Visionary Award for 2020. Thank you so much to everyone who supported this book and who supports my work over the years. I am so very grateful, and I need your help. Would you vote for my book? You can do this by going over to my website at pastlifelady.com. Click on the blog link and it'll take you to a short article I wrote and the link is there. The votes will be counted up until April 30th. And just know I am so very grateful for your support and friendship over the years. I've got tons of new books coming out um, over these next few years that I hope you will love as well. Just remember when you do this survey, it's gonna take a little while There's many, many categories and you won't see Past Lives with Pets until you get pretty far down the survey. You do need to answer every section of the survey in order for it to count. And just know that I'm grateful for the few minutes of your time and just know it means the world to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Namaste.